Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. Tonight is an exciting show with Dave Wager and myself, Jeff Stroman from HopeNet 360. And we are glad that you are joining us tonight. If you are just tuning in for the first time or the first couple of times, maybe you've listened to a podcast online or you're just checking things out, heard from a friend, we're glad that you're with us. You can email us anytime during the show tonight, hope at hopenet360.com. And we really hope you do because we love reading your messages. We love answering your questions and responding to the things that matter to you, whether you're a parent, you're a young adult, you're a teenager. It really doesn't matter. This show is for you, and this show is hopefully an open and honest conversation, a conversation that inspires faith, maybe it inspires courage in you, maybe it just inspires a conversation to take off and to start the conversation in your families, among your friends, and whomever. So we hope that the things you hear tonight lift you up, and uh, we talk about things that you may not hear otherwise talked about, and we want you to know that any question is not off limits. Every question that you ask is open, and we would love to hear from you tonight. So, on this show, we're joined again with Kyle and Todd. Um, I've stopped trying to get rid of them because they're just <laughs> awesome. What's up? Yeah. So Word. these guys are these guys are awesome, and uh, so their perspective is is one from you guys who are young adults, maybe college age. Uh, they are in the fray, if you will, and uh, that's that's what we like around here. We like to have different perspectives. Tonight on the show, we want to discuss, uh, first of all, I've been excited for this show, uh, the Dear Me letters. We've had a number of different letters come in, and we'll read some of those tonight. We won't be able to get to all of them. But So on the first half of the show, we're going to talk about these Dear Me letters. And the second half of the show tonight, we want to discuss stuff that is going on within our men, where all the good men have gone. And uh, we're going to open that up a little bit more and talk about that more. So, uh, Dave, I would like to open up with a couple of these letters. So the purpose of these letters was that people would write in and they would give some inspiring uh, words of thought, uh, whether you're, if you're a teenager or a young adult, write to yourself, you know, a few years down the road, what things you want to remember uh, from someone from an older perspective, maybe you're a parent, a grandparent, a mentor, um, you know, father figure, mother figure, whatever, uh, to write a letter to your, um, to your younger self. You know, what you wish someone would have spent time saying to you, telling you over the years uh, that may have changed things that happened in your past or the choices that you made at an earlier age. So um, where should we start, guys? You know, this this is a valuable exercise in general because really what you need to do is be able to um, journal a little bit or do something where you can go back and and work through the thoughts that you have in life about what's going on and how they happened. Um, So I think we could read a letter. Why don't we just read one? Uh, we can have Kyle read one. I got one in front of us here, and uh, we're leaving names out, obviously. Um, but uh, maybe Kyle can read that letter for us. All right, here we go. Dear self, you need to have faith and trust in God completely. Why is it easier for you to say and think than to do? How can you turn your life over to God completely when it involves your 
addictions clean and sober for 25 plus years, but have a need to control the outcome of your family. You need to completely understand your family is not yours. They belong to God. You need to have faith and trust in God completely. It's simple for when things are going good and everything is how you want it. But when things get tough, you may control and that only causes you to worry, worry, worry. Your older son has been gone now for two plus years. He chose to leave. You have learned a lot from it and the opportunity to help others. You have learned a lot in the past few years, both about life and death. The Holy Spirit is there. You need to have faith and trust in God completely for to let him in. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Wow, a year ago you didn't know what a proverb was. This is what happens when you show up to church one day just to let God know how mad you are at him. He turns around and shows you how much he completely, truly loves you. Well, that's very good. You know, one of the things as you were reading there that that kept striking me was this uh, individual kept saying, you know, you got to learn to trust God. You got to learn to trust God. You got to learn to trust God. And and that's something that uh, we talked about in the last show, actually, when we were talking about mentors. Why would you why would you talk to somebody and tell them the truth? Because you learn to trust them. Uh, I, I, what just flies off the page for me is a, is a guy here that's a little bit older that is saying, you know, in my life, if I could do this thing all over again, I would learn to trust God a whole lot earlier because yeah. it, it's the only way I would ever have hope. Um, and I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but you, you got to realize that God is older than you and smarter than you and loves you. You can trust him. You can. And uh, I think that's a, a great letter in that sense where, where uh, somebody's just being very transparent with how they feel about uh, life and what they've learned. Cool. Well, I got one here. And this one didn't mind his name being read, but uh, so we're going to call him Mike. Mike has wrote in, here's his letter, his Dear Me letter. It says, Dear Mike, as I look over the nearly 60 years of my life, I often think of an old adage. I wish I knew then what I knew now. It is so true in so many ways. When I was a teenager, I looked at everything as a crisis, popularity with my peers, not having a girlfriend, or disciplined by my parents. Anything that did not line up with my immediate needs was viewed as a serious problem. I was an awkward youth, not particularly athletic and socially insecure. I deeply valued the opinions of my friends, sometimes to the point of doing incredibly dangerous things. I participated in a short-term car theft, a joyride, stole beer from neighbors and stores and drank nearly every weekend, sometimes driving while legally intoxicated. I put so much at risk for for short-term pleasure. I was looking for my esteem and the love of women. I was needy overbearing and insecure, willing to do anything to please a woman who would just love me. I became a true Christian at age 45 and now see everything differently as God sees them. I now understand the foolish lengths I was willing to go to be popular and to be accepted by my peers. My hope now is to be able to give a direct message to young people today. God knows best. Trust him in all ways and he will never fail you. This day, start to look at your plans, hopes, and dreams with eyes towards God instead of on yourself. Become strategic in your thinking, forgoing things that bring temporary pleasure with long-term pain. There are very few real things you will face that is a real crisis. Take a step back from the ledge. Seek the advice of a man or a woman of God you trust, and let them teach you about God and his hopes for you. Think of your life in terms of three to ten years out, not obsessing in the here and now. There will be troubles, but God will never forsake you when you truly trust in him and follow his plan for your life. Do not sacrifice long-term peace and joy for short-term pleasure. It is a recipe for disaster. 
I can never know then what I know now, but I can advise you as young people to trust in God, know his word and his plan for you, and think eternally rather than day to day. I hope you will be spared the pain of my youth, where pleasures and passions that ruled me brought me to the point where I was really ready to take my own life in despair. God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. Make God your first true love and watch as he guides your path and protects you. So, uh, long letter, but very good words of wisdom, I would say. You know, there's a theme here, if, yeah. you're, if you're hearing it. There, there's people that are looking back in their lives saying, I, you know, life is a series of decisions. Mm-hmm. And everybody that's listening to us, there are decisions that you make. You know, t- I, I thank Kyle of you and the decisions you made. You're at a different college. We'll, we'll leave that nameless, but you're at a, a different college. And you made a decision to change. Yeah. And that's affected probably a lot in your life. Is that Absolutely. true? Totally. Yeah. So if you're my age and you're looking back, do you think this is going to be a critical period in your life? Yeah. And a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you made decisions that are actually going to affect when you're my age. You made those decisions now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of times when you're young, you forget that that's going on. Mm-hmm. The decision process that you're in the middle of right now is something that will affect your future children, your future family, your future, um, if you want to call a job or career or whatever God has for you in the, in the body of Christ, the decisions you have now, some of them are, are pretty minor decisions that maybe you can recover from if you make a bad one. But I've always uh, tried to teach young people that there are other decisions that are lethal decisions, yeah. which means you make that decision, there's no way out. And, uh, and that's why it's so important. Uh, Jeff, you, you know more about uh, those who get to a point where they make a bad decision, maybe suicide or something like that. If they spent, um, is there statistics or anything, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, if, if when they're feeling that way, if they would just talk to somebody and, and for about 15 minutes that things might change? I think in most cases, someone that reaches out for help is at it lowers their risk for attempt. Yeah. It doesn't remove it completely, but it lowers it. Yeah. And that's that's the main thing that you try to get to because every everybody at some point has to make their own decisions. Yeah. And so just like you and I Dave who have mentored youth, you can lead them to water, and you, you can't make them drink, you can't make them go one way or another. They have to make the choice themselves. So, but someone that's that has a, a positive person, a positive role model, or just a, a positive maybe father figure, you know, an uncle, an aunt, mother figure, whatever, uh, someone that you could go to that you can trust to give one of those answers that's not necessarily watered down or is trying to make you feel good, but they're yeah. willing to give you the honest truth. Yeah. Again, uh, somebody you can trust. Someone you can trust that's there and that can give you that that perspective. Those are the ones that you need to go to. So. Hopefully, you know who that is in your life. And if you don't, I just want to remind you, you can go and talk to a live coach right now. There's someone that's waiting to talk to you who does care, who is trustworthy, who is honest, who is willing to listen and just hear what's on your heart to share some insight and some perspective. So we have to take a break. We're going to come back and read more letters, and you've got it locked into HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting, stressed out, need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Tonight we're reading the Dear Me Letters, and I've been looking forward to this show for quite some time. Uh, just to hear your perspectives and your thoughts. So you can still email in your Dear Me letters uh, anytime you want to. Hope at HopeNet360.com. 
and uh, we may use them for later shows as well. So connect with us also on Facebook and Twitter. We are hanging out there tonight with you. Right now, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You are waiting. You're doing so well patiently, but uh, yeah, we're we're, uh, just excited. We've got a couple of messages we'll read later on in the show tonight, but... um, yeah, so tonight, Dear Me Letters, the point of these letters, again, if you're just tuning in, uh, to give some thoughts and perspectives uh, from your point of view now as if it were related to your future self or your younger self. So we have heard from both angles from you know earlier on in the show tonight. So uh, we would love to hear your perspectives as well. So, Todd, you've got another Dear Me letter, and I would love for you just to uh, to share that with us tonight. All right, somebody messaged in, and they wanted to uh, remain. Uh, remain anonymous, but here's what it says. Hey, all if I could leave a message of hope for those struggling, my younger life was one of suicidal thought. From first grade through seventh grade, I was the school loser. Bike, sco- bike stolen weekly, spit on on the bus each day, the whole nine yards. I clung to the hope that through it all, God was still there. After eighth grade, I found a new school. Things improved, but my life was consumed with pornography of all types, the worst of kinds, for over six years. God has restored the years the locusts had eaten. I'm overjoyed that I have found freedom from my pornography addiction, and God has used me for his glory in spreading the gospel, and I have a life enriched with good friends. Don't give up. As much as the years can be long, if you cling to God, he will see you through. And now that I look back, I'm glad for the injury of suffering in my youth as I would not be the broken and humble person who God can use. Love that. Quite a testimony. Yeah, thank you so much for that that letter. Very definitely inspiring. Um, Dave, what are your thoughts on on this perspective? This is a young man, by the way. Yeah, you know, it, it's very interesting. We're we're also tempted at times to uh, really look at what other people say about us and and how they treat us, and we think that's reality. When in reality. What, what's happening is Satan will use whatever means he can to get us to not hear the truth. Here's the truth of the matter. God created you and loves you, and he didn't make a mistake. He actually created you with great purpose. And, and what you and I need to do is position ourselves so that we hear the truth and we live within the truth. And when we do that, some great things can happen. And I think that was the struggle uh, he was describing. There, there were people that treated him a certain way. You know, when you're treated like garbage, you tend to begin to believe that you are garbage. The truth of the matter is if Satan thinks that that's all he needs to do is get some people from the outside to do that to you to destroy your life, he'll do it. What you and I always need to do, we keep going back to this, Jeff, over and over again. Conversations save lives. You need to go talk to God who will straighten things out. If you really are honest, you need to go talk to an older Christian, same gender, that Mm -hmm. that basically will actually love you and care for you and want you to be successful and talk these things through. And when you do that, you can begin to make progress along the journey the way you should. It's not a weakness, by the way. It's the way we were made. We we were made to be in relationships at multiple levels. Mm -hmm. By that, I mean you were made to grow up in a family where you have brothers and sisters, siblings. You have a mom and dad. You usually have an aunt and uncle. You usually have a grandpa, grandma. See, all that stuff in one house normally. Yep. I mean, years ago. And and what we've done kind of is we've segmented everybody. We keep all the first graders together, third graders together, all the young married couples together. And then you go into the retirement home and all the retirement people together. And and we're missing out on this this multi-generational help that is so necessary. So we want to keep encouraging you to have these conversations that will actually save lives and look for people who love God 
and love you and open up and talk to them. And you will see that it will change your perspective. In fact, these letters are very cool because what we're doing is, is getting people to do that. They're, they're actually opening up and talking about something to another generation. And so uh, I know Jeff is really stoked about that. And the, and, and the reason well, we all are, actually, is because that's what causes health is when you have intergenerational communication. And we're just kind of playing a game where we're having you have intergenerational connection with yourself. And, that sounds and, like a big word. Yeah, intergenerational. <laughs> in other words, old people and young people getting together talking. Right, and that's uh, that's our that's our mission statement at HopeNet 360 is connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. And we really believe that the, the front lines of this is actually having open, honest conversations. And uh, if we're able to be open and honest and understand what the truth really is, it's going to set us free. It's going to set us free from addiction. It's going to set us free from bitterness. It's going to set us free from all the perils that we can fall into to try to, to cover the mask, things that we struggle with. So um, that's that's the whole point of what we do. So there's another – I did get another letter. Okay, Jeff, we got another letter from HL. Uh, I'll, I'll read it to you. It says, Dear me, it's amazing how the difference between yes and no can change the course in your life, sometimes slightly, sometimes majorly. Sometimes not saying anything could even be worse or sometimes better. Incident one. I had a run-in with an old classmate of mine quite a few years ago. It was a karaoke night, and I was singing up a fantastic performance. When at the end of the night, I was ready to go home. On my way out of the restaurant bar, he grabbed my arm. I quickly turned around and realized immediately that he had a few too many. You sang beautifully. I love how you sing from your heart. I thanked him, and he continued. I always loved your singing. Even when we were kids. I would always watch and listen to you sing. You always wore that purple shirt. I was shocked he even remembered that shirt. I hated that shirt, but it was all I had at the time. I always wanted to ask you to go out or do something. Why didn't you, I asked. I didn't even know you were interested. I would have gone out with you if you would have asked. Really? I was always afraid. He let go of my arm. But I can't now. I'm married. I have three beautiful children. I wish I would have known. Our lives might have been completely different, or maybe not. No one will ever know now. Incident two, I was summoned for jury duty and had to skip a bit of college. The judge asked if any of the jurors needed papers excusing them from work. Since I'd already told the school about my jury duty, I figured I didn't need one, so I said no. Boy, was I wrong. After getting back to school, I found out that I'd been kicked out by the dean. I was called into his office and said that I was booted out for missing school. I told him about the jury duty gave me, and gave him the summons papers, but it didn't matter. I was already out, and he didn't care. I should have said yes to the judge. My life would have been different. Incident number three. Back in junior high middle school, I was asked out by someone as a joke. I found out later about the bet, and I was not happy about it. Soon after that, another guy asked me out, and he was serious about it, but I was thinking it was another prank joke, so I screamed out no. Later on in life, possibly a decade later, I was thinking back to that day and was wondering if I had said yes. Yes, how different our lives could have been. I was only thinking back to it because I had heard through the grapevine that his girlfriend at the time was psychologically killing him and that he ended up in the hospital. I felt so horrible that I was actually starting to regret that little word. I felt that maybe a little word change could have saved his life. So be careful before you answer yes or no or refuse to say anything. It could send you down a different path, perhaps a better, perhaps worse. Just try your best to make the best decision. Thanks, HL. You know, that's cool. interesting. You know, as I, as I think about that, I, I, I do think of some of the advice I do give young people, and it, it, it has to do with be careful for that uh, decision you're making in the next 15 minutes. Mm. It could change everything else about your life. If I get anything from reading this, it's very interesting because what, what she is doing is a couple of things that's very typical. She's, she's focusing in on things that, 
basically wondering what could have been. And, and that could cause problems, or, mm-hmm. or, and you got to be careful with that. But, but that's what she's doing. She's focused on what could have been. Yeah. We don't know what could have been. That's speculation. And yeah. uh, boy, I tell you, that can get you into a fantasy world. It could get you in trouble. Uh, the other thing is the reality. I've done a lot of prison ministry and talked to guys who are in jail. And uh, almost all the time, they will tell me almost the same thing. I wish I would have made a different decision at a point in life that mm-hmm. I made now. Yep. And again, they're speculating. Yep. But, but, you know, they're in jail for robbery or murder or something. And, and, and the bottom line really is they made a really poor set of decisions at some time that cost them dearly now. Mm-hmm. And, and if I have any message from this letter, just me not knowing HL at all, not, is when you make a decision, now understand that the decision you make will have consequences in life. So make the right one. Yep. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to read our Dear Me letters, and uh, you're not going to want to miss that. So keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio tonight. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. That's right. It is HopeNet Radio. And tonight, Dave, Kyle, Todd, Jeff in studio with you. And so we thank you for joining us again. Remember, email us during the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Or actually, anytime. You can email us anytime you want to. Or Facebook us at hopenet360. Or Twitter as well. Send us a message. We just we love connecting with you and hearing your perspective. And sometimes we'll say something that's off the wall. And maybe you're like, what does that mean? Uh, I didn't quite understand that. Or something just trips your mind and, and you're like, hey, I have an idea. I have a thought on that. So... Send us your comments and your questions and perspectives, and if we need a little bit of correction, then you know feel free to send that as well. So uh, tonight we're talking in our first half of the show. We are talking about our dear me letters. We're sharing letters from people who have mailed in and and sent us their thoughts, their perspectives on what they would tell themselves in years to come or in years past. So uh, these have been really good notes. And so right now we actually want to share from our own perspectives. And so I want to give. You guys, Kyle and Todd, I want to give you guys an opportunity just to share your thoughts, your Dear Me letters. So uh, why don't we start with you, Todd? All right. My, um, basically, it goes like this. Dear Me, candy is short-term pleasure and long-term pain. Don't get boring. Keep trying new things. Keep learning. Go skydiving. Whoa. That's what I got. That's like a, like a haiku. Is that a canoe? No, <laughs> no, it's it's poetry, Dave. Come on, aren't you no. sophisticated? It's like, like three syllables, a, six syllables, like I, eight something like that. I went to a Chicago public even, school. I didn't I, even plan that out. Did you? <laughs> I heard haiku. I was like haiku, haiku. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not haiku, haiku. <laughs> I heard haiku, and I thought oh, IQ. I got one of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see where you're going with this one. I was like haiku, and I said, bless you. Yeah, <laughs> You know, you know what I see there. You know, Todd, as I as I just heard you um, read that, though, again, as I look through a, a lens of my age and perspective and the time that we've spent together, I'm thinking you are looking at your life, saying there are times that you just haven't branched out and taken the risks that you probably should, and you're reminding yourself, go ahead and do it. And in order to do that, you have to be secure. That that's why you can do it. In other words, if you want to skydive one day, the only reason you would skydive is not because you think the chute might open. 
It's because you believe the shoot will open and, and you went with the right person and you took the right direction. And now you're OK. Now, if you listen to the people that are there mm-hmm. and I think that's really if I if I know you well, and just listening to what you just wrote there, it's, you know, I, I want to be able to continue to grow and develop and try things that are impossible and go out there and enjoy what God has me to enjoy. And in the process, you're surrounding yourself with people who are basically helping you get there. Um, you're a musician. You write music some of the other stuff you've, you've talked there. And I know in your life you're surrounding yourself with people that can help you do stuff that sounds impossible to you at one point. Definitely. And, and I think that's a message to all the, the young people that are listening. There are, you know, there are some things that you might say, oh, this could never happen. I'd love to try this. Well, maybe you should try it. Mm. But, but don't just run out and do it. I mean, find somebody who you can trust, that loves you, that loves God, that can guide you through the process. Yeah. And if it happens to be skydiving, Find somebody who's really good at it yeah. and, and, and that you can trust in skydiving and do it. But um, once you find that trust factor, go ahead and jump, man. And, and I think that's very cool to remind yourself. Yep. All right. Kyle, I'd love to hear your note, man. Yeah, mine's a lot like Todd, so it's it's not – it's is a little it, bit longer. Uh, did you guys it's not a haiku. It's it, not a haiku. It's kind of oh. like your answers on Bless the you. test at Nikolai Bible Institute at times. You know? No, mine's more serious, though, I think, than Todd's because Todd was kind of a jokester. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Hey, there are no right and wrong answers here. <laughs> just there you go. Just good and bad. Just so smart. Go ahead. Just smart and stupid. Eat yeah. all right. <laughs> okay, I'll read it. Who's um, who's sounded like IQ? Oh, mine. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't IQ. know what haiku was? <laughs> you. He said IQ though. Touche. Okay, I'll just read it. Touche. Just read. It. <laughs> Dear me, be content and happy with the little. Love my wife like Christ loves me. Mentor like people have mentored me. Train my children to change the world. Stand up for the truth and don't give an inch. Enjoy the blessing God's given you. And enjoy the plethora of Super Bowls that the Bears will win. Oh, but that last one, really? (laughs) You know, boy, you had me until that last one. I was was really touched. I was gripped. I was actually thinking of not reading mine. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm sitting there thinking, wow, you know, that's very deep until that last one. It's like everybody has a blind spot. (laughs) So you're saying the bears are my blind spot? Yeah, exactly. Uh Yeah. It it didn't take a rocket science (laughs) to get to that one. The plethora? It's a good use of that word, though. You know what, though? You know, as you read that, Kyle, there's some reasons. There's reasons behind those statements. I mean, really, when I when I I know Kyle and, and there's some stuff behind that that he just wrote that uh, I'm really proud of him on. He's thinking through some issues there even before they're issues. He's talking to himself in the future and saying, you know, here's some things that, that I have observed that can actually destroy me if I'm not careful. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but it's, it's really looking like you've put some forethought into, into life a little bit, saying here's what I want at the end of life. Well, it's funny because you said write this Dear Me letter, but I'm always thinking about when I'm 40 or 50 years old, mm-hmm. is my life going to matter? Am I going to have made a difference? Yep. Am I going to live for God or am I going to turn away from God? Am I going to be who I want to be? And that's a child of the king. So that's, I mean, when I wrote this, it, I've always been thinking about this. What are, what are goals that I want to have when I'm married, when I have kids, when I have people under me that I can mentor? I, I want to um, honor God in, in everything I do. So that's so when I yeah. wrote this letter, that was that all that was in mind. Yeah, well, here's what I appreciate. A lot of people shoot an arrow. And then they go and draw a target around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, is, that, that is deep. Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> what you've done right now, Kyle, is the opposite. You've identified the target, and you're learning how to shoot the bow. I appreciate that. I really do. Nailed it. Uh, great thoughts. Um, I, I guess I'll go first. I'll share some of my thoughts. I was kind of jotting more down after you guys were reading some because I was like, man, you guys had some good stuff. I'm going to call this one Dear Jeff. Do the first things first. 
Honor God with all you do and never forget who you are in Christ. He is your rock. He won't change. He is strong enough to handle your worries. Be mindful of your investments. Time is your greatest investment. Take time to listen. Laugh and be a vessel of joy. And uh, so those are just some some thoughts that I had. For me, in, in where I've come in my short 28 years of life, I've found that sometimes it's the simpler things that matter. Yeah, you know, if, if we had the, the endless time on the show, I would love to dive in with each of you guys on those because behind what Todd said, behind what Kyle said, behind what you just said, Jeff, there is some, um, there's some real reason why you wrote that. And, and that's what we're trying to get to. I mean, there's, a, there's something you learned. There's something that you've understood. And I don't care what age you are out there. There's something that you have understood through life. Write it down. Try and take it to God. Take it to an old person. Talk about it. I mean, I, those are the kind of dialogues that we're missing because we sit there and stare at television, that kind of stuff. We don't talk. But to sit down with, with Kyle, to sit down with Todd, sit down with Jeff and say, hey, let's talk about those points you made. I mean, just where, why do you think that? I think that would be an excellent discussion. And, um, yeah. and those of you that haven't got your letters to us, yeah, get them to us. And, and, and those that you have, sit down with an older person that loves God, read it to them and say, let me tell you how I got there. It, mm-hmm. it, it can offer a big, you know, if you, if you don't have anyone like that, identify somebody that's in a, a retirement home who is a believer and loves God and go read them your letter, mm-hmm. you know, and, and talk to them. Make a friend that's a, a, several generations older than you and, and just go talk to them and, and see what they say. It'd be very interesting for you. Yep. All right, Dave, we're coming up on a break, but I, I would actually like for you to read your letter. So I know you wrote a novel, but maybe you can give us the spark notes of it, if you will. Yeah, you know, <laughs> try not to use 800 words when you can use 25, I guess. Let me summarize it for you. I would write myself and remind myself of my position. My position through life is the only thing that, that really has mattered. Uh, for that, I mean, when I was a kid, I was actually in a wheelchair and some other things. The position I had as a child of Richard Wager and Joyce Wager pulled me through that. Not, not my position as anything else at that point. I was just a kid. But my parents, who loved me, and I felt they had to, but they didn't. I found out later. But they did. They took, they took me through a very tough period in life where a kid gets cut from a no-cut baseball team and uh, other things that shouldn't happen to a young person. And, and what's very interesting to me is because of my position, that's what gave me hope, not, not the cruel world around me. Um, as I've gotten older, my position as a child of the king is what has got me through everything. Not my health and not my status and not my money and not my car and not my home, not my family. The, the position I have as a child of the king has brought me through everything. So I, my whole letter would be written about my position in Christ, my position as a child of Rich and Joyce Wager, as a brother to Rick Wager. These things have all mattered dearly to me. And uh, without that position, I'm not sure where I'd be. Well, this has been uh, definitely a thorough <laughs> first half of the show. So when we come back, we're going to open up the dialogue about men and where all the good men have gone. So, uh, ladies, you're definitely going to want to tune in for this one. And you guys, I hope you're going to continue on because it's we're going to get into some deep discussion. But uh, we'd love for you to be a part of it. So just keep it locked in. We'll come back with the second half of HopeNet Radio here in a few minutes. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. 
Welcome back to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Again, remember, you can email us during the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. We got to get into this. This is a big segment, and I think we're going to continue on next week on this topic. Where have all the good men gone? And uh, so tonight on the show, uh, we're looking for your perspectives and asking the questions. Today, when we look in society, you know, last week we had the chance to sit down with Andrew Schwab, and he's had conversations with men across the country, and they come down to a lot of the same things. They got, a lot of guys today are feeling this sense of insecurity. They're feeling these these different emotions and different feelings and different struggles that they, we find ourselves isolated, more or less. And um, in today's culture, the highest demographic for attempted suicides is teenagers, but the highest demographic of completed suicides is these middle-aged men. And so you're looking out and you're, you're seeing dads, you're seeing even maybe young grandparents uh, moving into the next stage of life, and they're they're hopeless. They're coming to this point where they're like, what's my life worth? And so tonight, that's the question we're asking. Where have all the good men gone? And what does it mean to be a good man? And uh, And how has our society affected the picture of the ideal man and what manhood really is. So, uh, ladies, if you're tuning in, I think this is a big topic for you and, and us guys. We need the challenge tonight. So, um, Dave, I want to open up with that, and I, I would love for you to share just some thoughts and your perspective on what you see in young men and even middle-aged men and where people are at in your conversations that you've had in your years of experience. Yeah, you know, I, I would like to encourage, too, the ladies to keep the radios on and, and the podcasts because what, what you want to do is work in life at understanding men. That's one of the things you want to do. And you want to be able to see what a good man looks like. In fact, oftentimes I'll suggest that um, young ladies read a book uh, entitled uh, What He Must Be If He Marries My Daughter. And the reason I ask him to do that is by Body Bachman, I believe. And uh, the reason I ask him to do that is because it gives them a standard. Here's what the Bible says about a husband and a father and, and how they should live. And really, God makes it so clear what a man should be about. And it's not about being abusive. Men should never be abusive. It's not about using their strength for their own power. It's not about using um, uh, people in any way, shape, or form for themselves. That isn't what it's about. In fact, what, what I really find out is men are very disappointed, as you were talking about, Jeff, and in middle age especially, because they really have spent their life living the lie. They, they've spent their life believing it's about money. It's about possessions. It's about parties. It's about power. It's about status. And it's not. And, and it, there's some point where it flashes in front of them that that's not what it's about. What, remember uh, the um, uh, Andrew, um, Schwab, Andrew Schwab, the yep. interview that we did, and he was talking about significance and security. And you were talking about that, and we talk about that a lot. Yep. Um, see, every human being is wired this way, especially men as leaders of their families. They're wired. They want to be significant. There, there is nothing in my life that's probably more important to me than my wife uh, acknowledging the fact that I am significant. You know, nothing. I, I want that. I, I want to know that my life matters. And I would suggest that every man that walks the planet wants to know that his life matters. He really does. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what we do is we get it mixed up. We think our life matters because we fed our kids and because we have houses and we have, you know, yes, that's important stuff, but that, that's not how it's going to be measured in the long term. And, and so w- what, what happens is we seek this significance for most of our life, and when we get there, it's empty. Um, or we seek security. We think, all right, I need to leave my family secure. I need to leave money. That, and then somebody in our family gets a sickness where money can't help. Hospitals can't help and die. Now all of a sudden our security is gone. 
I, I, I mentioned in the last segment that if I could write myself a letter, it would have been on position. Why? Because of the fact that no matter what happens to me or my family, I have the position as a child of the king. Yeah. And my king loves me and can take care of me. I really think that to be a man today, to really live successfully as a man, you need to lead in the area of understanding your position as a child of God, as a joint heir with Christ, as somebody who is in God's family and acts that way. And we can talk more about what that means, but that, that's my bottom line yep. to start with. Todd, I'm interested in your perspective. When you think about the ideal man and what that looks like for you, um, What do you see in our culture as far as men your age and guys who are just growing up and moving into adulthood? um, What do you find are the biggest struggles moving into adulthood, and uh, what do you see happening in our culture these days? Well, I see the struggle as being (laughs) within the culture, like because talk about being a man and stuff like that, but our culture doesn't really put up good models for men. Um I think the struggle is looking in all the wrong places. Um, you know, guys look for significance and um, security and all those things in like everywhere but God. And I think um, God gave us the perfect example of a man in Jesus. Um, so it just depends on where the problem is not going and looking. And I mean, the culture has created this like, uh, this inaccurate picture of what Jesus was like. I mean, um, just, you know, the flowing long blonde hair and the beauty sash and all that. And it's like, well, I don't really think he was like that because he could be so tender and hold the children. He said, let the little children come unto me. But then he's tipping tables and, you know, using a whip. And he was tough like he grew up working hard he knew how to be a carpenter from a young age and that's how he grew up working most people would not be able to live through the beating that he went through before they hung him on the cross but after that he got up and he carried his cross most of the way there then when they got there we couldn't even kill him it the bible says he gave up his spirit he's Mm -hmm. like all right i've done my i've I've done it it's finished so I think that is the place to look, and I think our culture is looking in all the wrong places. Kyle, do you think there are a lot of guys, a lot of young men today that are more content with just playing around oh, yeah. than than working and doing hard work and, and um, I guess, doing what they're meant to do? Well, it's, it's funny because as Todd was talking, and as we've been talking about this, the definition of man and what being a man is, in the biblical sense and in the world sense is completely 100% opposite to paint a picture of what a cool guy would look like. It'd be a guy who was sleeping with women, Money, drinking, sex, power. Yeah. Dr- drinking beer and probably tough could beat big and strong, but, um, would abuse his power. I mean that, that, that's someone who is a man. And then we take a look at who Jesus is and that doesn't coincide at all. I mean, I mean, Jesus was tough, but he didn't abuse his power. And I mean, he, he didn't, abuse women he looked at him and tried to make him more successful so i mean it's a total opposite ends of the spectrum and coming back to what you were asked your question was yes absolutely kids my age and i think men in general struggle with the fact that they think sometimes that women are there to please them and that things in this world are just there to please them i think like we talked about this in previous shows that they believe the world revolves around them 
and that whatever anything that's around them is there to please them and being a man is farting and burping as loud as you want and being totally um who cares about everything else and doing whatever you want that's what being a man is yeah i i will i look at where the culture is and i see I see a lot of guys who are content with playing. We talked about the prolonged adolescence in the last show last week. And if you missed that, you can check it out on iTunes and get that downloaded from our website as well, Hopeman360.com. But there's a prolonged adolescence that's happening. And guys, I think guys are, we're more apt to want to play than work. We're more apt to want to be dependent rather than to be self-reliant these days. That's what I'm seeing. And that's what I'm seeing in even role models you know, that our world presents. And you guys have talked about modeling Christ and, and all that. And for some of us, some of you guys that are listening, you have, you're like, I have no idea what that means. Like, why would you look to a guy who was 2000 years ago? Isn't there someone more relevant today that we can look to yeah. that would be a good example? What do you, do you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I think that God addresses that very much so. I think uh, when Jesus came to this earth in John, he said, in the beginning was the word and the word is with God and the word was God. What he was saying there was in the beginning, there was this idea of God, the concept, the, the word logos means that. And, and, and what, what a little later in first chapter, it says, and the word or the concept became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could behold the glory of God. Now, let me put that in English. What it simply means is that Jesus came to this earth so that the idea of God would not be fuzzy. We would know what it looks like because Jesus would be God in the flesh and we would know how God would act. And as Kyle was talking, I was thinking, yeah, power, authority. Jesus had all the power and authority in the world. And what did he use it for? That's manhood right mm. there. He had, he, had, he had all of it. And what did he use it for? That's the struggle for all men that are listening right there. Yep. Will you get to that point? And if so, how and why should you? And I think you need to wrestle with that. Yep. Todd, we'll get you in the next segment. We've got to take a quick break, play some music. This is going to be one of those conversations you're going to want to tune into in the next segment. So make sure to keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio tonight. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio tonight. Glad you're with us. Email us on the show tonight, hope at hopenet360.com. We would love to connect with you, and I think there are some people who have some very interesting perspectives, maybe even some thoughts to contribute in this conversation tonight. We are talking about here, where have all the good men gone? We're talking about what it means to be a man in today's day and age, and we're talking a little bit about how culture has shaped that and uh, how many middle-aged men today are becoming hopeless and questioning their overall purpose in in living anymore. Not that we're all middle-aged men or anything, but we come to the point in our life where we have to think and we have to ask the bigger questions. What's my life worth? What's this really about? Is is what I'm doing, is it really what I thought it was going to be? Is it fulfilling? Is my life going to mean something? And uh, so before we went to break, Todd, I know you had some thoughts. And, man, I would love for you just to share some perspective that you got here. Something that I think is a big part of the definition of being a man that people in our culture miss is the word meekness. And most people hear that and think weakness, but it has absolutely nothing to do with weakness. What meekness is, is power under control. Hmm. And I think about, you know, just the stories of Jesus where when he was upset and genuinely like angry about something, like using the temple to sell things and profit from people— he drove them out. 
but he was controlled the whole time. He was never out of control. And bringing it back to children, he had a heart and a desire for children. But I think just the whole meekness is something that our culture does not understand. Power under control. Simply meaning that that even though you have the authority, you you, you don't – and and the strength maybe to to really – force somebody to do things right, right, you use it with appropriate measure. Right. You don't just flex your muscles to get everybody to bow to what it is you want. So. You know, and everybody in society wants that, actually, and wants people like that, because otherwise the might makes right, and we know that that's not true. You can mm-hmm. be the most strong person on the block and still uh, be really goofy in, in what you're doing. It's interesting. He said meekness. What would be a word or a concept, Kyle, that you would use for manhood? I was getting mad at Todd because that was the word I was going to use. <laughs> All right. But, uh, I mean, for for, for manlyhood. Um, well, uh, manlyhood. Manlyhood. That's a new word, too. The, but go ahead. <laughs> the word that maybe I would use also is protection. I love it. Just the idea of protecting women, protecting young children, protecting the ones who can't protect themselves, I think is a very good definition of a man and I think is something that Jesus did. And that's something that men, I think – are just worried about protecting themselves. Right. I, men today, that's not a real man. I think men today are worried about themselves, their needs, and what they want. And they're not worried about protecting the needs of people that need to be protected. Yeah, wow. You know, you, you said meekness. You said protecting. Those those are great things that, that I think people need to listen to. And and I think you're right. I, I think to, to be one who uses their power in a right way, discerning, and, and to be one who looks at others because that's what love is and saying, what do I need to do to make your life successful? And you may need to protect somebody. You may need to, to care for the needy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very important. Jeff, if you had a concept, a single concept, what would it be? One, one word? I'll give you mine while you think. And, of course, one word won't work for me. You guys know that. But, <laughs> About I, six. I, nice my, try. My, my, I got three words, though. Following to lead is what I think men do if they're really men. Hmm. In other words, they have decided in life who they're following. And they are willing to put themselves as the leader in following. In other words, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow what's right for somebody. That's submission with power. They're, they're following those who know what they're talking about yeah. and God knows yeah. what they're talking about. And I think that's very important for a man to do. Uh, most men want to lead, and they think their definition of leading is someone needs to just do what I tell them because it's really about me, and I'm going to use my power, my influence, my money for me. And, and then they end up middle-aged being miserable. Be careful who you're following. You can't follow God and money. But that would be my like single concept that I would look at in just thinking about this show. And I was thinking about what I'm seeing in our culture versus what I know should be right. And so I wrote down some thoughts. I actually have, I have eight different contrasts here. So kind of bear with me. And I want to know if you guys agree or if you, you disagree. You guys think or, I talk a lot. I know I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm seriously amped on, yeah, right, on right, so, right. out of my mind. Yeah. Let's go yeah. with it, man. I, I'm, I'm on, on the, the edge, edge of my of chair, my plastic chair. Um, you said that at the same time. <laughs> that is spooky. All right. Men are made to fight for something. But today's men are cowering in fear, afraid to speak up and offend someone. Where is the pursuit of righteousness and hatred of evil? Men are made to protect. And yet today's men are afraid or they're overly aggressive. And that feeds into the next one. Men are made to provide for their families through their labor, through their works. But today's men are workaholics. They're addicted to their jobs. They're addicted to their incomes. They're addicted to their stuff. Next one is, is right into that. Men are made to worship God, but men are worshiping their possessions, their accomplishments, and their stature. Men are made to govern, but the men are governing according to their own vices, their own opinions, even their own anger. That's how they rule, rule by might. Men are made to lead, but many men today are taking a back seat, and they're following, they're letting their wives do it, they're letting 
other people do it. I'm going to say I'm not sexist here. I'm just I'm looking at it from a perspective of guys are just taking a back yeah. seat generally. Uh, men are made to serve, but yet men are serving their own interests, their addictions, whatever. Men are made to father, but many fathers are fathers by biology, but they're absent and they're marginalized in the family life. I don't know. Those are those were just some of my thoughts, and and I'm interested in what you guys see. While you read that, Jeff, I turned in the Bible to Matthew chapter five because it's so critical. I think you just summarized what Jesus was saying in different words. Yeah, and I just want to read. Can I read some scripture? Go for it. Matthew five. Seeing the crowds, Jesus was looking at the crowds. He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I'm always amazed at that phrase by itself because it's like. Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all men, looked at the people, and he had some thoughts. And he went up, and he was willing to share those thoughts. So if you're not listening, boy, you're not paying attention, because Mm. this is the creator of life. And he said this to him, And he opened his mouth and taught them. I find that interesting phrase, too. I won't stop on all the phrases. But it (laughs) said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Then he goes on to talk about salt and light. But what, what I find very interesting is that God, Jesus, the man who was really a man, it really got attention, the crowd's attention, because there's not a man in that day in the crowd that was saying, the blessed are the poor and those who mourn, that's for weakness, those who meek, those, those who are merciful. Wait a minute, wait a minute here. This is not my definition. I am one macho man, and I walk in, and I don't cry about anything. And I, no. God says, you know what? When I look at you, I want to correct something. I want to correct your perception of what manhood and what what life is really about. Those of us that understand it, those of us that get it, realize it's, it's not that we have power to satisfy ourselves. We are consumed with the good of others, and we are consumed with obeying God. And that's what makes a man. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to see how we're wired. And, you know, today's culture wants to kind of blend the gaps between man and woman to to change or to rewrite even science and biology but when you look at the way men are wired and you look at how we're how we're keyed into things guys are more often intellectual than they are emotional mm-hmm. guys are and there are some guys there are many guys that are actually emotionally disconnected and that's an issue in itself but guys are wired to be rational we're we're meant to be those protectors and when you're a protector when you're a fighter you have to think through more calculated. You don't just go by your emotions because your emotions can lead you in the wrong direction. And I'm sure many wars and many battles have been won or lost based on how they strategized, how they actually made use of their resources and, and thought things through. Um, and I'm not saying we need to go out and start wars. We need to start fights. That's not what I'm saying at all. But men are, we're wired to have a, we want a good fight. And that's just by nature. That's just who and we, we are. want to win that fight. We want to win that fight, and and for us, we're rational. See, women, where we differ is women become they're more emotional. I mean, right. they're they're and they're wired that way, and it's a beautiful thing when those two work together. When you have the rational and you have the emotional, it's it's a beautiful blend because they balance each other out. They don't let one get overly carried away, and they don't the other one, you know, just take a backseat. They work together to accomplish the good for for what God has. But 
when they're intercepted or when they're disconnect or dysfunction, when one of those is out of whack, it messes the entire cycle it up. Does. And it yeah. And it's amazing that can happen. We can talk more about that uh, in our next segment. And, again, we're probably going to hit on this again on the next show because this is a much bigger conversation. And I'm sure you're going to want to share your thoughts on that as well. So we do have to take a break. We're going to come back and wrap up this part of the discussion. But obviously the conversation is going to continue. So email us, hope, at hopenet360.com. And we're going to take a break. We'll be back here in a few minutes here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. That's right. This is HopeNet Radio, and we're wrapping up tonight's show, but definitely not this conversation because you're going to want to contribute as well, uh, email us anytime during the week. You're listening on podcast. Email us, hope at hopenet360.com. Connect with us there or on Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a message. Uh, you know, like our page. We would love for you just to connect with us. Um, <laughs> social media is such a fun thing these days, isn't it? Uh, hey, we've been talking about guys and where all the good men have gone. And so maybe you're a woman and you're just catching the tail end of the show. Don't tune out now because this is for you. Uh, I'm sure you have the same questions that we do. We were talking a little bit last segment on just the struggles and just the challenges and kind of a contrast of what men are supposed to be like and what men really are these days and what our role models are. So, Todd, I really did appreciate your your comments when you were mentioning how, I guess, our media and how we're, we're really a saturated entertainment culture. We're, we're probably the most entertained generation that's ever walked the face of this earth. I mean, just mm-hmm. the types of entertainment that's out there, the mediums that we can use, whether it's the internet or it's through going to a movie theater or partying or whatever it is, we are so bent on this pleasure and, and partying and um, kind of this, in a, in a guy's term, it's the prolonged adolescence, the party, the fun, the lack of a desire to work. So, I'm, Kyle, I'm interested in your... I guess in your perception, what are what are young people today looking at when they look out and they see guys in our media, in our music, or it's movies, or what have you? What what kind of guys do young people look towards these days? Well, they look towards celebrities, <laughs> celebrities, rappers most of the time. I mean, that's some of the biggest men. I would say a lot of like some of my, my cousins, my idols, Eminem, Fifty Cent, or Drake, Kid Cudi. You know, I mean, those are the key, those are the people that they're looking up to. And um, their songs are about <laughs> totally abusing women, abusing money, alcohol, partying. It's all self-centered, and that's what their idols are. That's who they see as men. It's kind of the opposite. It's, it's kind of what we were talking about before. It's, it's men who use their power and authority and everything for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. That's what the They're songs mon- are about. Th- I want to use it all for me. Yeah, I, I think there's probably a song called that. I oh. want to use everything for me. That's probably a song. Oh. <laughs> If not, we just inspired it, and yeah. it's going to yeah, be a hit. That's it's going to be a hit. <laughs> Justin Bieber's going to do it. Um, <laughs> speaking of of Justin Bieber, I, I, I'm, you know, I I don't shy away from media. I don't really get absorbed in celebrities. You know, personally, it just it changes so much. I mean, people get their 15 minutes of fame and then they're gone, and you're like, okay, the next person. And uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of our culture today um, who have lost fathers that dads aren't in the picture. So. This constant changing of men and role models changes so much for our young people today that that's why I think it's easy for us to fall into these celebrities and to look to them to be 
almost like our, our dad on TV kind of a thing, um, or the ideal guy. And so Dave, I'm, I'm really interested in your perspective. We don't have enough time to get into this topic, but we'll probably connect on it next week on the show. Uh, but I, I do want to start the conversation today's day and age, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And so there's a much stronger layered issue here that's going on that there are teens, young adults, there are parents now who have come from single parent homes, who have come from split homes, split families, blended families. It's a very bigger conversation, but I'm interested in, in how you would approach that. If you had a young person come to you and sit and just tell you, man, I, I just wish I had a dad in my life. I don't know. I don't have a relationship with my dad. I don't even know him. I haven't even met him. How would you talk to this young man? You know, I wish that was hypothetical, uh, what you just asked. Uh, but it isn't. That's kind of a norm at this point. Um, I've had many young men come to me who have not had dads in their lives. And uh, I use the word, and, and it doesn't fit totally, but I use the word, well, this, this young man needs fathering. He needs someone around him that is older and that will love him and that will give him the straight scoop, that will uh, work next to him side by side and show him how to live. Um, what I really do tell him is, Look, in life, you may have been robbed from a great opportunity of having a dad because of, of um, the sin in our society, because of the acceptability of men not being responsible, because of, of, of just being narcissists as a group. Uh, but that does not mean that you need to live your life without the influence of somebody who's older than you and loves you and can help you make decisions and, and give you some experience in their lives. Um, most of the time when I find a young man like that, I encourage them to hang around my house, hang around with me, do what I need to do in order to get into their lives. Because I just realized that they just need to watch somebody who's older than them, who loves God. And that's what we do with our dads. A lot of times we watch them, we watch them change oil. We watch them talk to people. I remember uh, I was talking to, um, I think it was Kyle or your brother, Kyle, uh, Luke, and um, actually I think it was Luke with uh, your dad once. And, and uh, he looked anxious to go. And, and basically I told Luke, you know, your dad's talking to an older guy now. You'd be really wise to sit there and listen to him. I mean, you just would be. That's one of my that's one of my brother's favorite stories. Yeah, and and the reason is is because I grew up doing that. I was able to sit with my dad when I was a little kid, and he'd give me a hamburger or something, and he'd be talking to some other people who were really big shots, I guess. I don't know who they were, <laughs> uh, but I was just a kid with my dad, and and I would go with him and listen, and and you know what? This is what dads do. They drag you along with them. They, they teach you what life is all about. They, you know, um, I ended up coming to uh, camp here when I, in 1968 with my dad, 11 years old, and, and he gave me very specific responsibilities. We worked together. We worked together till he died, and, and I loved my dad. We spent a lot of great moments together. Um, but today I represent a lot of what he represented because he spent a lot of time with me. So what I encourage the next generation to do that is without these dads is to actually find Men in the Christian community. This is why the Christian community is so valuable. Because you need to find men in that Christian community that will spend time with you and allow you into their lives, allow you into their homes, allow you to observe their marriages so you can start seeing the hope and not just hearing about it. Because when you just hear hope but you don't see it, it turns into despair. Believe yeah. me. You need to see it. So, and, and the older men that are listening to me, would you please put yourself in a position where you look for younger men to help and teach them. I, I give a quick story here, Jeff, if I can. There, yeah. There's a young man that, that really has not had any dad influence, and a lot of great things have been going on in his life. And uh, recently he wanted to start a business venture, and there were a bunch of Christian guys that got together and helped him do it financially, which is very interesting. One of the guys loaned him money, 
uh, I think it was uh, maybe a thousand bucks or something. And he and he and he loaned him money this way. He said, "I want to give you this money, and I never want you to pay me back. But what I do want you to do is take this money one day, this this amount and in interest, and I want you to find somebody else who has a need, and I want you to help them with it." Mm. Now I know this guy who did that very well. I know his heart. He was playing dad right there. He was mm. saying, you know, I am going to step in and teach this young man that he needs to be generous, but I'm going to do it by showing him how I'm generous and then giving him a chance to do the same with the money that he actually owes me. And I thought, you know what? Very good. And, and that's what I want to encourage. The older guys, be that guy. Mm. The younger guys, look for guys like that and allow yourself to be positioned. Uh, Kyle and Todd, you guys come from solid families and you've had that example all your life. What I encourage guys like you to do is is look for those other men, young guys that don't have dads, yeah. and start playing a role in their life because they need that. Uh, not a role of just buddy-buddy. Dads are not buddy-buddies. They're dads. Anyway, yeah. that's my thoughts. This is not going to be the end of the conversation tonight. We're going to continue this next week on the show, so you're not going to want to miss the next half of this this show. But we could we could probably spend an entire month on just this topic, but we're not going to do that. Uh, we have so many other things that we do want to discuss. I want to leave you with some thoughts tonight, and actually this verse that I think is one of the manly verses that I, I've ever read in the Bible. And so maybe you've never opened the Bible. Maybe you've just picked some Psalms or Proverbs along the way. Check out Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. And I'm just going to read it. This is from the English Standard Version. Um, but to me, this um, this sums up what I think is is today's message for many of our men. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That scripture to me is it, it comes down to choice. It comes down to who you're going to serve. We're wired to worship something. And whether you admit it or not, you're wired to worship something. And us guys are so prone to worshiping so many different things, our possessions, our stature, our accomplishments. But when it comes down to it, our most fulfilled purpose is to worship God, to know him in a right relationship. And uh, so tonight, if you have questions what that means to have a relationship with God, maybe you've never even thought about that before, go to our crisis chat line. It's not necessarily a crisis, but it is a moment where you need some wisdom. You need a bigger conversation than just what an hour and a half, two hours can do here uh, on this show. So go and chat with the live coach, hopenet360.com, and click on the button. This is Coach waiting to talk to you. We're going to continue this conversation next week on the show. So thanks for tuning in tonight to HopeNet Radio. And again, make sure you just check us out online. Email us, hope at hopenet360.com or on Facebook and Twitter through the week. So we'll see you guys online and next week. 